0: Welcome! You are locked on at the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com.
1: Walking that walk and talking that talk. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? So, I'm still in Kentucky. This is my last day in Kentucky before I make the trip back, uh, the long The long journey down the Kings Road back ooh, home. Ooh, um, but no, so I actually have a funny story. This show, I so I, I have a dog, a golden doodle, and her name's Honey. Named, she is named after Nikola Jokic. <laughs> Big honey. Um, <laughs> it's not. no, so my, my dog, she is like a teddy bear and she's like my daughter. I love her to death. I am so obsessed with my dog. I love dogs. Any dog content, send it my way. I, any of that. You can hear my kid hollering in the background too. At a probably. dog. <laughs> so, uh, at my dog. So anyway, my wife kids me about this all the time that I love my dog. So it was like a week or so ago, uh, our kid, our nine-month-old kid, had this like kind of cough. His his voice was kind of hoarse, and she's like, "Hey, can you call the doctor about it?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll call." So I go to work. I kind of forget. All right, and day goes by. I'm like, "All right, I'll call tomorrow. I get home. I'm like, I'll call tomorrow." I forget the next day. All right, it was just two busy days at work. I just forget to call, and totally my fault. Well, the, the night of the second day that I forgot, my dog starts like sneezing and her nose is running and stuff. So she has allergies. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dang, can we give her like medicine and stuff? So I'm like counting down the next morning for the vet to open at eight o'clock. As soon as eight hits, I call. <laughs> and I'm like, I call the vet. I'm like, hey, I explained everything I have my dog. So then I call my wife from my work and I say, hey, this is what you need to give honey. You need to give her some Benadryl, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, have you called the doctor for Roman yet? Your, our son? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm about to call. She, you. you called the vet over our doctor for our son's car. <laughs> so needless to say, it put me, uh, yeah, I had to, uh, recoup- did it, uh from that. Did it
0: put you in the doghouse?
1: It put me in the doghouse <laughs> uh, with yeah. my dog, which I like my dog, but <laughs> no. Uh, so anyway, Oh my gosh we've been uh we just told that story to to my mother and uh, she was laughing about it so i'm like all right let me make me feel horrible about being a parent again so that's so great that's so, great. so you didn't did you end up calling the doctor i did yes okay, i still haven't my, called him once my wife shared her um joyful opinions with me um i then called the doctor like i should have oh,
0: which which condition was worse the, the kid's condition or the dog's condition
1: Oh the the dogs the kids was fine he got over it real quick, but I actually had to give the dog medicine and stuff so I felt vindicated. But how about that? How about that? <laughs> Still bad parenting. <laughs> oh me, man!
0: Though. All right, today on the podcast we are going to talk about Kemba Walker. We're not doing the full free agent profile, but it's kind of going to feel a little bit like it. We're probably going to talk about Kemba a lot this summer because he's going to be a big a big name this summer. And Mark Stein, you know, had his recent newsletter that talked about the maps and Kemba, and then he went on the fan with Ben and skin and he talked about Kemba as well. So we want to talk about those quotes and then just get into this conversation of Kemba. Cause it seems like an idea that's been floated around for a really long time that we haven't really totally dove into and made either a definitive we're interested in him or we don't want him on the Mavericks. Uh, I don't know if we'll answer that question specifically today, but we want to you know lay out all the, the information that we have so far and just talk about his fit and all that stuff. Also, Apologies to everyone for you know, missing the missing the podcast on Friday. Had a couple things set up that kind of fell through, and uh, yeah, it's just it's the, the off season, so we're gonna be a little more lax.
1: We're not <laughs> we're not gonna be doing. I, t- I take some blame for that, guys. I had some family stuff come up. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, no, unexpectedly. So uh... not
0: as much. Isaac was, was away from it, and then and then I uh, dropped the ball. But you know, things <laughs> things happen. We're not gonna be as serious because you know it is the off season, and we're not gonna be doing the two pods in one day thing pretty much anymore unless <laughs> something massive happens.
1: Most week most every single week you're gonna get five pods from us, but if something crazy comes up and you only get four, we are deeply sorry. Yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> Sad for you guys. Only get four podcasts.
1: <laughs> oh man.
0: All right, so let's talk about Kemba because I, I'm very interested in this this topic. Kemba is gonna be a free agent this summer. He is he's gonna be out there. The talks about Kemba and free agency have been going on seems like for a long time, right? <laughs> Doesn't it seem like Kemba and is he going to stay? Did the Hornets do enough to make him stay? Does, you know, is the team good enough? Is he going to want to try and branch out and go somewhere else? He's going to want to get paid. Do you know, the, the Hornets even want to pay him? Do they want to have all that money locked up into one guy and then have no cap space pretty much to do anything else because of all these – you know, they, they don't have a lot of like they, – they have like Kemba and then Batum are like their big contracts, and then the rest of the guys, they have a bunch of like $10 million guys it feels like.
1: Yeah, it's a very it's, it's a very unique roster. I mean, if you talk about somebody that didn't have any help, he personifies that. When when people say Kimba didn't have any help in Charlotte, wow, that that's an understatement. I tweeted out some uh, a, a funny stat a few days ago, and when you just looked at shot attempts for the Hornets last year, Kimba shot Kimba shot the ball like 1,600 1,700 times last year. That's a crazy amount of shot. The second the second leading person on the team was Jeremy Lamb, who shot like 900-something shots. Kimba was only like 20-something missed shots away from missing more shots than Jeremy Lamb attempted shots, and he was the second on the team in attempted shots. If that gives you any indication who, had, who the focus was of their offense and who had to shoot the ball almost every single time. So when you look at this situation with Kimba, why are we talking about it again? And we're talking about it because there's only uh, this whole situation every summer that the Mavs have money, people throw out different names, people speculate, reporters speculate. Um, there's different things that are being thrown out there. Uh, Ricky uh, Bonnell, or Bonnell, however you want to say it, from the Charlotte Observer. You know, he first, you know. Put it out there back a couple weeks ago. I feel it was like three or four weeks ago, saying that Dallas would be interested in Kimball Walker. And, you know, Stein did the newsletter. And then Stein's um, interview segment on the fan kind of uh, put the cherry on top of the cake that, or on top of the milkshake, whatever you want to say, that the Mavericks would be interested in Kimball Walker. They are very interested in pursuing that. And, um, yeah, when, we've always talked about with Mavericks coverage. There's pretty much like a big three, or you know, a couple of guys. When you look at Stein and McMahon and Brad Townsend, if one of those guys reports something about the Mavericks, then you know it is the gospel. You know, it is the truth. You know, as far as uh, they have well sourced information on that. So, yeah, I mean the Kemba situation, Charlotte's weird because they didn't trade him there for a while. I mean. Didn't we think that, I mean, they were shopping him, that you thought they might trade him heading into the summer and heading to free agency. They held on to him. He's building a house in Charlotte. I was just reading this article about the other day, you know, this past year and stuff. He's prepping for this free agency. But man, the all-NBA votes are going to determine a lot. And I don't know where you want to stand on it, because if he lands in the All-NBA, one of the All-NBA teams, he'll be eligible for the Supermax, which will be five years, $221 million from Charlotte. So if you're pro Kim, <laughs> I don't know how you even want to view it because you know Kim is going to want it if, he, if he's eligible for it. But if he gets it and he's eligible for it, would Charlotte even give it to him? Would that make him leave even more if Charlotte won't give it to him?
0: And it's not like Mitch
1: Kupchak has any history
0: in giving out ridiculous amounts of money to a player that maybe don't deserve it. So, <laughs> I mean, is Lou Dang's a free agent, right? I don't know. He was on the Timberwolves.
1: I don't know. He's out there. Moskov? Moskov is out there for sure. He's available. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think the first situation with Kimba is you got to see what, what happens with his all-NBA stuff. And, man, he's going to be borderline right there at that third team. I mean, it, it's it's tough. It's going to be him and Bradley bill. Um, I'm trying to just think of names off the top of my head. Kyrie you look at might probably be in that, that area. Yeah, Cause we, you know, everybody assumes it's, it's Steph and Harden at that first. And then Lillard uh, is there at, at the second team. And then whoever you want to put in the second team, you know, the all NBA. So can Kimba get one of those, can yeah, Kimba get one of the six spots? Basically. Yeah. There's
0: three, there's guards. three spots for, for Kyrie Westbrook, Beal Kemba. Right. I don't know if anyone else really cracks that list.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, some people would try to bring up Clay. I feel like there was yeah, a
0: Clay, maybe. Yeah,
1: there was an argument for him there for a bit. But if Kimba gets that, that'll be really interesting. If that is a pro or con on him possibly going back to Charlotte or not, because if that is on the table from Charlotte, and they're offering it to Kimba, I mean. <laughs> That's a heck of a difference uh, in, in money if you decided to leave because I, I'm pretty sure the most the Mavericks or any other team could offer would be four years around that $140 million. So uh, that's a lot of money to give up if you're Kemba, if that's on the table from Charlotte. Absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about what Mark Stein said, get
0: into some stats, and just talk about Kemba Waka, Kemba Waka, the super max <laughs> potential player. All right, Isaac. I kind of got a Game of Thrones like accent there at the end when I said Kimball Walker. Kimball Walker, Walker in the realms of men. White Walkers. Kimball White Walker. Um, Kimball Walker <laughs> the Supermax is ridiculous. That, that just should not happen. If they give him the Supermax, that, is, that may be one of the dumbest contracts, besides maybe the John Wall one. And I don't know. Was John Wall better than Kimball Walker was when he got the Supermax?
1: Probably I don't think so, no.
0: Probably, maybe. When he when he got the super though. So. He was like a twenty and ten guy, played some good defense, was athletic. I mean, we crap on John Wall all the time now, but he was really good. And still probably can he be was when he comes good. back,
1: but I think this past season of Kimba Walker was better than any other season of John Wall's career. It's probably true. Uh looking at where Kimba finished in some numbers this past year. Um, I mean, was absolutely insane. We can get into those more in a little bit after we talk about Stein's comments. But, um, yeah, I mean, just, he he did some things this year. It was just crazy. He put up 60 points back in the fall, which is insane too. That's but. true.
0: And I don't think John Wall did that.
1: So here's some
0: stuff that Mark Stein said about Kemba Walker on one hundred and five through The Fan. Uh, first of all, there's a couple things he said that were just random free agency things. So I wanted to bring those out first since they'll probably be stale by the time that these we talk about these. Everyone ex- expects Middleton to stay in Milwaukee, which you know we True. we kind of expect too. So the the big talk about Middleton is probably going to end up being a moot point because he's just going to be re-signed in Milwaukee. If you drive, if you look at all the guys, and we've even said, you know, they have to, they, you know, they might lose some of these guys. They're going to have to pay everybody, or they're going to have to let somebody walk. Middleton is not the guy they're going to let walk. <laughs> just don't, I no. don't see that happening.
1: Uh, he's not restricted. You search, you search far and wide for players like Middleton to surround your Giannis yes. and LeBron and KD to the world. Or your Lucas. Or your Lucas, true.
0: <laughs> but he's he's probably not gonna be that guy. He's
1: not restricted, so it's
0: not inevitable, but it is probably true. one of the more inevitabilities of, of the offseason. Um Mark Stein said that he expects the Mavs will have a real audience with Kemba Walker. Um, and that it, it's you know, that they really will have a shot at it. He also mentioned there have been internal discussions on on Patrick Beverly, which I thought was interesting. And uh,
1: some of us are very, me
0: we're very excited about that. But he brought up a good point saying that, you know, not sure how much – like his impact on the Clippers was undeniable. But will his impact on the Clippers be the same as his impact on, you know, the Mavericks? We've seen players like this that go and they find their one fit and they fit really well on that team. And then they go to another team – a great example, in my opinion, is Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson on the Pacers was really good. He had an impact. He was doing things. He had he led the league in triple doubles one year, <laughs> I remember, or at least he had a bunch at some point during the season. And there was like talk that he could be an all-star <laughs> at one point. And um, Lance Stevenson was, was really good. He goes and he signs in Charlotte, and he was terrible, just absolutely awful, terrible awful. And But he looked like he could have been a good fit next to Kemba. And so you look at guys like that, and you say, well, he was a really good fit in one area. Could he be a good fit in a different team? And then the idea of Batch Beverly coming in and being you taking up a lot of oxygen in the locker room, which is what Mark Stein said. Is that what's the what's best for this Mavs team? And they haven't really had a guy like that in a while. A guy that, that comes in and just like talks and talks and talks in the locker room and it just doesn't seem like any Maverick has been like that in a while. Now maybe that's what the Mavericks need to kinda of get a kick in the pants. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. That was yeah, I, I don't get – don't.
1: i I'm not getting my hopes too much on Beverly because I think um, the only way you're going to get Beverly is if you overpay some. Yeah. And I think because if you're Beverly, I think the Clippers are going to get, going to get at least Kawhi, maybe somebody else, and then he's going to want to just stay in Clippers, and they'll want him back. And so I, I'm not getting hopes up about Bev. Yeah, and they'll have the rights to sign him over the cap, and the Mavs won't. So True. Mavs have
0: 20 names that we don't even know about. That's what Mark Stein said. I don't know about that. I feel like we would know the names.
1: 29 is a lot. Yeah, I mean they probably yeah. I mean, he's including a bunch of other, you know, lower tier ones too,
0: which we've probably talked about already
1: since <laughs> probably. <junior. laughs> and we will talk about them before June.
0: Mark Stein also said that when he asked the Mavs front office about the Luka Kemba fit, when he said, "Hey, what do you guys think about this Luka Kemba fit?" You know, it doesn't seem like it, you know, is is the greatest fit and all that. They scoffed at him. They said that the the Mavs front office scoffed at me. and said if they if Houston can make CP3 and Harden work, then we can make this work. You know, we don't have any worries that we can make this work. Uh, and they are like they they like and are intrigued by Kemba Walker. So it's definitely going to be a target from from Mark Stein's lips. You know, from, from the front office to Mark Stein to us now to you. They are definitely interested in him. They will have an audience with him. Um, they are not concerned about the fit at all. Are we concerned about the fit at all? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Nick and I we were talking about this before before we hit record. We've been very uh riding the fence on the Kemba situation. We've been very uh adamant of how we feel about it. That we are not standing on top of the mountain shouting for joy, saying this is what they have to do. We've been been unadamant. We've been inadamant. Un- in- <laughs> True. We yeah. haven't really we uh, haven't really picked a side yet. <laughs> we we haven't been up there shouting for it. But we're not at the bottom saying this is horrific. They should never do this either. There is a there is a line in between that we're writing it, and um, there are things that are not ideal about a max contract, Kimba in Dallas. But I think there are things that could work too. I think it's just one of those unique situations that even some of the things that I've harped on this podcast about how long how young Luca is and like all this stuff and how whoever you sign this offseason he'll still be young and all this stuff like I have to stay true to some of that that I've said in the past too in regards to Kimba also so yeah I mean the fit is it's unique because a lot of people immediately go to hey he's short and he doesn't play defense so therefore he can't fit with Luka and because that's where a lot of people's minds go to and and we, I think you pitched this question to me the other day about like the current playoffs and how, if Dallas got Kimba, what could it look like? What does that tell you? What could it look like in the playoffs? Or how, and we talked about Connor you know, comparing it back to Golden State of saying, All right, well, Kemba would be kind of like our Steph, and what makes Golden State be able to get away? Except Steph's bigger than Kemba. That's that's the one thing yeah. about this, <laughs> yeah. He is bigger than Kimba. So, the thing that Let's Golden State kind of play around with Steph, though, is when you surround Steph with kd draymond clay iguodala so we've been very clear that if they do bring kimba into the fold with luca and kp that those other two spots in the starting lineup you really need defense you need to go you need to get somebody or if it's finney smith or whoever it is that's going to play that two or three or two wings that can be lockdown defenders that you can say hey you go get our guys um but yeah, I have a few stats I want to throw at you. Like, especially with Kimba, when you look at rebounding, I looked up there are only six players last year, only six players under six foot one that averaged at least four rebounds a game. So it's not, he actually went up and got rebounds for being six foot one, which I think six one, I think it's a little Yogi Ferrell stuff. I think it might be a little generous, a little JJ Beret as far as, hey, I think the, uh, they're going to get may, say you're 6'1", uh, but those guards are Bledsoe, Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul, Beverly, Rondo, and then Kimball Walker. I wouldn't expect Kimball Walker been in there getting boards, or at least I wouldn't normally put him in the category with a Bledsoe, uh, with a Kyle Lowry, something like that.
0: Let me push back on that. He plays a lot. Okay.
1: He plays a lot. Like you, as far you, as like minutes,
0: yeah. And if you play a lot, you're gonna get you're gonna get some boards. I mean, if you're out there and not, there's not a lot of six foot guys that play a lot.
1: That's true. That's true. Okay, no, I'll concede that. That's my thought on that. That's true. That's true. I mean, I would say some of these other guys play a lot too, but I I I, I right, definitely right. Feel and that's that. why they're there. Um, okay. So earlier in the podcast, I, I mentioned how exactly how big of an impact or the crazy season that Kimba had this past year. And I pulled this from the Forbes article, and they're talking about Kemba, and it said he is just the fourth player in NBA history joining Harden, Curry, and Lillard to average at least 25 points, five assists, four rebounds, and three made three-pointers a game for a full season. It puts a little bit in, because I think we all looked at Kemba and said, man, you had a good season, but was it really that good and that's what I've I've kind of found myself over these past few days as I've been thinking about this Kimba situation and saying am I being dang picky like why like for Mavericks fans for so long we have been shouting for free agents and wanting them so bad and stuff and now there there is half a fan base there or a portion of the fans saying we don't now we're being selective of who we want you know, saying, "Well, how do?" We, and I get it because we have Luka and KP. But when you have somebody as good as Kimball Walker, should some of us be saying, "You know what? We just need to take the talent. We've, if he's wanting to come, we need to take the talent—a guy that was an All-Star starter—and if he could be an All-NBA guy from that season, and just take him and run with it, because we've never got a free agent that big."
0: Yeah, and then I'll take the other side of that. The other side of that is, okay, we have Luca and KP. Potentially for the next three, four years, right? If if Borzingus longer saw- than that,
1: it should be better. Be longer than that. Cuban well, said twenty years.
0: Well, Borzingus is going to sign his he's, he's going to sign his deal, and it's going to go four years. So, and then Luca will be on for that long until he re-signs, you know, his rookie extension. So at least the next four years. Yeah. Do Do they want to go the you know Westbrook KD route where you just try to sign guys and you try to bring guys in and you just try to get whoever you can get. Or do they take it take it a little slow and maybe keep their cap dry until next season and then try and run it back and not take a huge swing at a guy and commit to him for as long as you're going to have to commit to Kemba? I mean, that would be the entire four-year run with with Porzingis. And if it doesn't work, then all of a sudden you have three more years of a short guard, you know, in, playing next to Luka who are, you know, defensive adverse. <laughs> I guess you, you could say True. that. And then... Now you have to try really hard to try and put other guys around him. Now, defensive guys, you can find. I mean, Patrick Beverly was out there. Uh, Roberson will probably be out
1: there eventually. (laughs) Can I I throw you at you a a darker path that I don't want to talk about too much? Even darker than what I just said. (laughs) Would the Kimba thing soften to blow if something went wrong with KP? For instance, if he didn't come back fully from the ACL, if something went crazy. He's not with, as good or he comes back no, and he gets re-injured. Yeah, or, yeah, or negotiated something like that. This is at the that darkest point, timeline. At that point, you're moving forward with a dynamic backcourt of Luka and Kemba and saying, hey, let's just try to run and gun and all that stuff. Okay, that's all I wanted to say about that. But the Kemba thing, going back to fit, what's the biggest thing when you look at a, the smaller Dennis Smith Jr.? What would you say the biggest thing? I know the two things we go to a lot. The biggest thing or what we questioned about the Dennis and Luca fit. What would you say the biggest thing about Dennis that we said didn't fit fully with Luca?
0: How he looked on camera in front of the ladies.
1: <laughs> I'm going to go I'm going to go with uh, possibly outside shooting.
0: That was a, uh, that three, was definitely
1: a talk we had. <laughs> Uh, three pointers. Uh, so I listened to Stan Van Gundy and Zach Lowe the other day, and uh, I love hearing ex-coaches um, just talk about the game and all that stuff. And never Van say Gundy's anything ta- bad about a coach ever, ever, ever.
0: <laughs> that's, that's No true. coach has ever said uh, a bad
1: thing about another coach. I love the section in which Van Gundy was talking about uh, what he values and what they and what they try to value in three-point shooters. And he was talking about Marcus Morris and how he is a guy kind of like J.R. Smith where he keeps shooting threes, but he, he could get hot and hit like six threes in a game. And how and I thought this was really interesting. When he's looking at players and he's scouting players as free agents, whatever, he values more of the guy who shoots like seven threes a game but shoots it at a lower percentage at like a 34-35 30, yeah. than a player who shoots like two or three threes a game, but shoots at like 40%. Wasn't he talking about Richard Lewis? He was like, I wish Richard Lewis could have taken Back like up.
0: seven threes a game instead of just four or whatever he
1: was taking. Yes, I think it, I think he was talking about his old Orlando days and all that. And, it, and I never – like that mindset from a coach um, – it kind of goes out of my mind sometimes as far as just hearing him say that because, and I was looking at Kimba's. Kimba attempted 733 pointers last year. Um, these are players who attempted. He almost took over, nine a game. That, that's a lot. That's insane. And he, and he finished at what? 356 uh, he 35. At 35% 6%. from three, right? Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> players who attempted over 703 pointers this past season. Uh, Kimba, there was only four players who did that. Kimball Walker at 731. Paul George. Paul George at 757. James Harden. Steph Curry, Steph Curry. at 810. And James Harden at 1028. <laughs> um, that, that's just crazy, and it shows you the volume in which he took them, and he still shot him at a 35 36% clip at almost nine three-pointers a game. Um, for whoever I put alongside Luca, if it's Kimba, you know he can knock down the, the outside shot. I mean, he's in a three point
0: contest, you know, two years in a row. That means something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, that's the thing. If, if you even spacing Luca out and, and putting Kimba on the wing, you know he's a knockdown guy. If you shot him at that clip, you know he can hit the outside shot. So it's at least going to draw the attention from defenders. And looking at like his, his synergy numbers from last year uh, on his even jump shots, um, jump shots off the dribble because that that's the type of thing when you look at like ISO. I mean, players with at least 150 possessions last year uh, ranked by points per possession, Kimball was a top six ISO guy with on jump shots off the dribble. So like it gives the, some people saying, hey, you don't need the secondary playmaker with Luka. We love Luka and we yeah. want the ball in Luka's hands, but he has to have some help. We don't you don't want Luka Doncic looking like he did at the end of this past season. He's got to have s- somebody else that can create alongside of him. Yeah. And I some people disagree with that and I get it to an extent, but you even look at look at some of these guys. If we think Luka is going to be an MVP type candidate someday, all of these other guys at least need somebody else. James Harden has Chris Paul. LeBron had Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant has a Steph Curry. You keep on, Damian Lillard has a CJ McCollum. These guys, you saw the Denver and Portland game the other night. When Dame doesn't have it going just a little bit, they need somebody else they can throw the ball at the top of the key and say, go create and put Damian off on the, you know, on the wing. Give me a few possessions off or spot him up or something. You got to have somebody else. And that's going to the top of the league. So that part I'd... That part I like about the Kimba, and, and I know it sounds like I'm being very, very pro about it. I'm just wanting to give a few stats behind how good Kimba was and how I think he could fit. Absolutely. All right, let's take a quick
0: break, and when we come back, let's talk about maybe some more positives and then a comparison that I think could uh, could help Kimba's case. All right, Isaac. So a comparison that I kind of think fits. What do you think about the the Dallas Mavericks in the 2014-15 season? They had that awesome offense, had Jameer Jamir Nelson running point, they had Monte Ellis, they had Chandler Parsons, Dirk, and then Tyson Chandler. Where you have Luka in that, you know, kind of a hybrid of like Monte and Chandler Parsons, you have Kemba as that kind of hybrid Jameer and Monte, and then you have KP in the Dirk spot. That team w- was awesome offensively, and they, you know, relied on each other's strengths they were able to space the floor a ton because of you know Dirk back then it was a ton now now spacing the floor you have to have five guys that can, can shoot threes but what do you think about that comparison cuz i've seen a couple people say that that it could be like that
1: yeah man that team so that was that was the team that was briefly together before the rondo trade and that was the team that was on um that was on pace to be literally it sounds crazy. One of the best offenses of all time. Yeah,
0: the best I mean, offensive they, rating. Of all
1: time. Yeah, the best offensive rating. They had, a, like, there for a point, they were more than the Showtime Lakers. Okay. They were number one at, at like, 116 <laughs> offensive rating. It, it was insane. And so a lot of people did throw the fit whenever um, they broke it up. They they traded a bunch of the guys to bring Rondo and Dwight Powell in. Uh, and then the they Powell moved. Trade. They move forward. Obviously the Rondo thing didn't work out, and everybody looks back on that and says, man, that sucked. We had something going on going on that was great. Why did they move those pieces for Rajon Rondo for defense? They couldn't guard anybody. So like that could they have um rolled the hot hand of the offense and said, Man, we're clicking on all cylinders with our offense. We just need to roll with that. Yeah, they could have. Where they would have finished in the league or in the playoffs, we have no clue. Um, We do know playoff basketball is different than a regular season. You're seeing that now. There is more of an emphasis on defense and how um just on matchups and all that stuff. Would, would Jameer Nelson been targeted more in the playoffs and, and some, with some of these other teams? Probably so. We We don't know. I wasn't... Obviously in hindsight, I, I I I don't like the Rondo thing, but when they made the trade, I didn't mind it because it's like they looked at it and said, Hey, this is good, but we need to make a trade that can make us great. And I do like the I do like the comparison stuff because it you do have that smaller quote point guard and Jameer Nelson and the Kimball Walker, and uh, that was when Chandler Parsons was decent. Like he was a decent player back then. And of course, Monte was Monte, but yeah, I don't mind that comparison. I don't mind at all. I think it could be a better version of that for sure. But you would still have your defensive questions, and should those questions even be there? I think that I think that's the type of question you got to ask yourself: is how bad does your defense have to be for you for it not to work? You know. Well, and you also have in that
0: lineup you had four guys that were kind of defense deficient, right? <laughs> and in this lineup you'd have two, and then. Porzingis is kind of, you know, he he can he can protect the rim, but one on one he's gonna struggle against a lot of fours in the NBA, but in today's NBA at least. And then you have two more spots to fill. So I think you could you could definitely be a better defensive team, you know, just whoever you put in around. Even with just putting Dorian and Maxi, if you just put Dorian and Maxi next to those guys, I mean, it's gonna be better than, you know, Tyson was just trying to, <laughs> just trying to clean up everything and he just couldn't do it because yeah, he's, yeah, he's getting I, older and, and stuff.
1: I also want to push back on that Kimball Walker is a horrific defensive player. That isn't the case. Like gold deep dive some of his numbers. I I did a few days ago. I really dove into synergy. Now I will say defensive stats isn't the tell all. I think that I think if if there's anything in basketball that the eye test needs to be used for, it's defense. <laughs> the most yeah, as far as a, like
0: it's not any good stats for it right now
1: i know it's just it's super hard but just looking on some of the things when i looked at uh for instance i just throw this one out there pick and roll ball handler pa- this past season of players who had at least 300 possessions defending the pick and roll ball handler where would you say kimball walker ranked as far as points per possession i'll give you some Scoring the top- or allowing Allowing. He's guarding the pick and roll ball handler. Okay. Some of the, uh, For instance, Clay Thompson's number one. Number two, Drew Holiday. Then Darren Collison, Donovan Mitchell, Derek White. Not Darren Brockton. Collison. It's really weird. It's super weird. But at least you get a sense that this stat isn't just like completely random. You know how yeah. some stats you look up and you're just like, oh, why is Gerald Green on a three point shooting thing? You know, whatever. Like these are really good defenders that we all say yeah, are yeah. really good defenders. Except Darren Collison. But yeah, know, yeah. there's a couple exceptions, but yeah. But as you go down through there, De'Aaron Fox, Josh Richardson, Kimball Walker's 13th on that list. That's not he's bad. He's in the top out top of, Out of 300. No, a minimum 300 possessions. How many players are on it? Oh, gosh, I don't know. It's just like it keeps going. So whoever whoever had at least 300 possessions like throughout over the 50? whole season. I don't know. I, I just have the screenshot of the top 15. Okay. But he's ahead of like the top 15. The 14th the 15th people is Eric Bledsoe and Royce O'Neal. I mean, so like – yeah. Like So it gives you a sense that he's in this category with those type of guys. I read the uh, there was a, a, a really long piece on Kimba, and I actually had it up. It was really good back from this fall on just like his free agency, his years in the New York Times. And there was a section of that article in which they talked about his defense and how his teammates were talking about, and Borrego was talking about how, how much he improved on his defense and how much of his effort thing. Because you are going to be putting these pick and rolls and stuff, you know, and stuff like that. So, is he a Patrick Beverly? No. Is he a James Harden from three years ago? No. <laughs> so it's not a. He's not horrific, but there is. And here's my. And I would even say this. I don't even think it would be a regular season issue. I think no. people would be blown away and say, "Man, look at this offense! Just is so fun and stuff." I think where the defense would come to play is come playoff time when you're getting people on these switches and they would they be trying to target him? And is it worth it to run the regular season and have fun and all this stuff? Like That's the type of thing, but he's not as bad as what people are making him out to be.
0: And don't you think centers get played out, played off the floor in the playoffs more than small point guards? I mean, we, we haven't seen a lot of small point guards, but like a Damian Lillard is still out there. You have Steph obviously still out there. And I, I don't feel like, those small point guards get played off as much as a big, huge center. Like if the Mavericks went after Vooch,
1: you know. Yes. Oh, that's a perfect point to make. Yeah. If you're a big center, because you got to ask yourself a question: can Can you make up for it on the uh, make up for it on the other end? A lot of these bigger centers, like a Capella or you know, or some of these play like Vooch, somebody like that, they might get outplayed because the game's faster, and you like you're not your offensive production doesn't make it worth what is happening on the defensive right. end. Kemba's such a good Boban. offensive player. <laughs> Bo, Kemba's such a good <laughs> offensive player to where if you do put him in the system, I think he's going to produce enough to where yeah, if some player if some teams did maximize that situation, they tried to really target him, I think it would, you know, his offense would make the most of it.
0: And let's not go crazy about this, you know, he's a small point guard playing defense that that really Doesn't matter too much until like round two, round three finals, you know, and the Mavericks, they're not going to be that team next year. I don't think they, I mean, everything would have to be clicking. They would have to, you know, a lot of other things would have to happen with other teams for them to be in that position. And let's figure out those problems once you get there. And maybe if if Kemba can be a guy that takes you there, then all of a sudden, you know, that is a, a, a net win for sure.
1: Yeah. And look at Damian Lillard. Compare Damian Lillard's defensive uh, synergy page to Kimba Walker's this past year. Kimba is a little bit more favorable than than Damian Lillard's. But no one's talking about the Lillard defense because Lillard's insane on offense. Like, Lillard makes it happen, you know? Like, Lillard makes up for it way more on on offense than it does now. He's a little bit bigger than Kimba, but still, that's the type of thing. And last thing I want to mention on this is his age. A lot of people bring this up right now and say, hey, if we hand him the max contract, you're looking at that last year of the deal probably being around, what, $37, 38000000 and he's going to be 32 years old. I want to list some players. I want to list because he's about to turn 29. I want to list some players right now on some players that Kimball Walker's younger than right ooh, now. Ooh. He's younger than Paul George. Klay Thompson. Now, I don't. some of this might not be surprising to anybody, but I just want to give you a little bit of perspective. Clay, Kimba's younger than Paul George. Klay Thompson. Reggie Jackson. That one actually kind of surprised me some. Wow, that is James, ha- James Harden. Jimmy Butler. Hassan Whiteside. Think of some of these contracts that they are getting paid, too, while I'm mentioning some of these things. Whiteside. Gordon Hayward. Eric Bledsoe. DeMar DeRozan. Justin Holliday's two years older than him. All of these guys are older than Kimba Walker. So for some of us that are sitting there saying, man, I feel like I watched Kimba do that step back in college like 15 years ago. That's not like, that's not fully the like it's not, he's not, I think some people are thinking that he's too old. Now at the end of the contract in the last year, if he signed the four year max deal for Dallas, he would be 32 in that last year. Now, these are players that are 32 years old right now. I just pulled up this list. <laughs> okay. These are players that are 32 years old right now in the league. Drogic? Kyle Lowry? Uh well okay. Drogic is 32. These are Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul, and Rondo are 33 right now. Mike Conley's 31. Steph Curry's 31. So where those players that I just listed are right now, like some of these players like Chris Paul, Lowry, Steph Curry, these guys are competing right now on teams that are going to go far in the playoffs, if not the finals, if not win the finals. Heck, JJ Redick is 34. JJ Reddick's 34. Andre Iguodala is a year older than Carmelo Anthony. Lou Williams is 32. <laughs> so, my point, I don't, the age thing, I've been very open about this. The age thing doesn't matter to me at all when it comes to the Kimba Kimba max contract type of situation. It's more of fit, but I'm not even fully like completely worried on that. So you can obviously tell where I'm kind of leaning right now. I'm kind of leaning toward being more okay with it, but I would still question the fit also. But the age thing doesn't bother me because I look at some of these players and say, man, Steph. Chris Paul, Lowry, Rondo on the right team. Rondo last year was 32 and he, I mean, torched Portland. And he he basically shut down Lillard and McCollum uh, when he was with New, or- New Orleans and he was 32 years old. So where these players are at right now playing in the playoffs, they're around the same age that Kemba would be at the end of that max contract in which Luka would still be, what, 23 years old? So that's the type of thing where age doesn't, I, I don't care about the age thing. I think that's getting overblown by a lot of people. Um, but the fit thing, I get those questions, but I would have, I kind of view it like I said earlier, if you have somebody as good as Kimball Walker and is such a good offensive player as him and is such a good outside shooter as him, such a good playmaker as him as far as as far as far one-on-one guy that can ease the load on, on, on Luka some, I trust the Mavs front office to put the players around them to make it work. I trust them to find the defensive guys around them to make it work. And yeah, you go look at, for instance, I go look at Golden State's shot attempts. And I was looking at that. that's what I was looking at the horn and stuff. Would Kemba get his 1,600 shots? Probably not. But look how Golden State distributes their shot attempts over this past year with Durant and Clay and Steph and how they're all in the double digits. They're all like they all get their piece of the pie. I think you could see that with Luca, Kemba and KP. But you gotta find the guys that could be your Draymons that are okay with taking a certain. I texted Nick. I said Qu- Quinn Cook shot more shots this year, this past year, than Draymond. Uh, now he played a few more games <laughs> than Draymond, but still, that's the type of um, players you gotta surround these guys with. So. I'm not definitively picking exactly how I want to stand on it. I would lean more towards it, and I would find myself getting pumped about it. I'm more, okay. I'm more okay with it now that I did a complete deep dive into Kemba's stats and really looked at it more. I, I would be fine with it.
0: Yep. i I think I'm in the same spot as you. I might even be for it.
1: Ooh. Ooh. <laughs>
0: I might even be leaning towards it because the the point that I made earlier, you know, can't get ahead of ourselves. Let's try and get this team into the playoffs. Let's try and get this team. Into you know the second round, and if you're talking about that, then Kemba is a player that you can play, and you're going to want three guys that can put up 20, and they're, they'll be able to take pressure off of each other. Can you imagine if they put Luca and Porzingis out there with three guys that the defense didn't care about, you know, like if they put him out there with Maxi and Dorian and Brunson, or you know whoever else they decided to get, and even like a even like a Danny Green and Beverly. You put those guys out there. They're going to space the floor a little bit, but they're not going to care as much as if, if Kemba is out there. The gravity that Kemba Walker has as a, you know, a slasher as a, you know, guy that can, you know, space the floor deep. You know, guys like that. Imagine all the times that Porzingis is going to get one-on-one coverage with Kemba out there compared to, you know, three other guys that they're not going to care about.
1: If he, if he couldn't go get his own shot or if he wasn't a very good if he wasn't a very good outside shooter, that would worry me a lot. But the fact that he's shooting nine a game last year and shooting him at a 35 36% clip, that shows me that I think that they could surround, put they could put a, a rare, unique lineup on the floor to where all five guys can shoot the three. And obviously, we don't know about the other two spots while still having a guy like Porzingis that can hold his ground in the paint. And, you know, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with that other big man spot. But I think it would, I think the age thing is being overblown for a lot of people. And I think Kemba being, if we're looking at two things that I think fans are overlooking the most, it's this age, and he's not as bad as a defender as what some people are making him out to be.
0: Absolutely. All right, guys, there you go. That's some Kemba Walker. Let us know what you think about Kemba Walker. You can tweet me at Nick Ben Exit. You can tweet Isaac at Isaac L. Harris. You can tweet Lockdown Mavs at Lockdown Mavs. Let us know what you think about Kemba. What are some concerns you have that maybe we didn't get to on this podcast? Let us know about it. Th- guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. We'll be here all week. Peace out. Boom.